Yes. You're seeing, yeah? Is that your Bible there, well-used Bible? That's mine. That's, that's yours. That's it. That's my other one. <laughs> Hi, my name is Guy. Hi, Ross. Hi, Ross, and nice meeting you. Great having you this morning. Oh, thank you much. Hi again. Hi. <laughs> How did your car show go? I'm okay. I didn't win nothing, but we got our car put in the car. And then they tore it up. <laughs> Open for a let me grab that podium. Hey, hey. How's rehab going? Have you started? In three days. Okay. So you're doing light rehab currently, just one like this. Exactly. Okay. Is the air like all the way on? Why don't you check, check it? I'm not sure how that all works. You can show me. <laughs> it seems like it's hot. So from yeah. there, it's going to have to be some upstairs. Yeah. You usually does a pretty good job keeping up. It just feels warm. Yeah. It's a little stuffy in here. So if you, if you have a baby for the nursery, uh, Maddie is here. Where's Maddie at? Okay, so you might want to kind of head back and maybe sit in back. And if, if you're needed, they'll say something. If not, you can kind of hang out and back. Does that sound good? Perfect. Awesome. Uh, we are going to release Sandy's class and Christine's class. That's like ages two through first grade. And the older kids are going to stay up for like a, a, some sharing time. So we're going to do a little sharing time, and the older kids can hear it and get something from it because they're kind of their peers. And uh, we checked the air conditioner, and it's blowing, but it's not as, usually pretty nice in here, but it's a little stuffy, so uh, who knows what's happening up on that roof. But it's pretty, pretty bulletproof. And so we're going to have the ushers come forward, and we'll have the little guys come forward. That would be like ages two through first grade. So come on up, ushers come forward, and then we'll release the older kids uh, shortly. But we kind of want to involve them in the next part of the service, and Rachel's going to be kind of leading that part. So it's pretty hard to release kids when she's up here, right? Okay. You guys ready? So Lord, we thank you for our kids. Thank you for our families. We thank you for the ability to give of our, our tithe and our offering to you. And Lord, just uh, be with each one, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you guys head back there. 
and then the ushers can come, and I think uh, Rachel is going to come and kind of introduce the next part of the service. Good morning. It's so good to be here with you all. Um, we, we had an awesome awesome week at Rock and Water, but um, it's good to be back here with um, our church family. So um, we're just really happy to see you all. And um, we had this amazing week this week, guys. Um, it was just amazing to see God's creation and um, to, to experience all these challenging um, and fun things. Lord, um, good grief. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm nervous. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I thought it wasn't, but then I go and do this. Oh, goodness, guys, thanks. Okay, so anyways, we experienced a lot of amazing and challenging and fun things. And um, so we have some students who are um, going to come up and share a little. Um, we, we not only experienced all these um, fun and exciting activities, but we also delved into the book of Philippians, which is amazing, and God really just spoke to our hearts. And so um, the first person that we are going to hear from is Dylan. So come on up, Dylan, and share with us. Go, oh, Dylan. Woo. Well, this is a surprise. <laughs> okay, so um, the verse I chose that really stood out to me when we were reading, reading Philippians was um, uh, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, and it says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it to my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I really like that because it talks about, it says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And for me, that means that, like we all sin. And sin pulls you away from God. It kind of ruins your relationship, or it's not as good as it was. But it's saying to not really focus on that and just focus on repairing that relationship that you have with God. Paul wasn't always the best person. Uh, Paul was, um, he did not approve of the Christian movement, and he imprisoned a lot of Christians, and he even um, had a, a lot killed. But if you think of Paul now, he is not that person. He changed dramatically, and he helped so many people go to God, and um, it's just kind of powerful on how that change happened, that you wouldn't expect that from one person. So that's what really stood out to me, is that you could, you could be some dramatically terrible person, and as long as you come to Christ and you don't focus on your past anymore and you just focus on what's ahead, that your life could be changed forever. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. That's, that's awesome. You know, the grace of God just can cover over a multitude of sins, and um, that's powerful, and that's something we need to know. So next we have um, Brooke. <laughs> Don't look disappointed. Okay, to be fair, we didn't know the order, so um, just saying. Okay, so I picked a verse from chapter 2, uh, verses 14 through 16. 
Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So to me that means like, since God is like so powerful, he makes everything beautiful, and in that we are made beautiful. So like, by twisted and um, twist, like a twisted generation, to me that means like when people judge each other, like based off of looks, that's something that comes naturally to everyone. So like you're judging and comparing yourself to others, which we don't have control over. And um, I think it is just really cool because it talks about how God's love is eternal rather than temporary, which is how our world is now. Like we focus on the temporary things rather than God's love, which is eternal. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you, Brooke. Okay, since I seem to be surprising everybody, does someone want to volunteer to be next? Or should I just call you? Okay, Blake, come on up then. (laughs) He's ready. Hey guys, how's it going? Um, okay, so what I chose um, was uh, from Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 29, or verse 29. Um, it says, For it has uh, been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Um, this kind of touched me because uh, throughout, throughout Walk and Water, Rock and Water, I wasn't really sure what um, uh, my purpose was uh, to be there for. And um, it was kind of a struggle at first. Um, I wasn't, um, I, didn't, I, I didn't really feel prepared. Um, it, uh, I knew that it was going to be tough on not only my, my body, but my mind as well. And um, <clears throat> going in uh, to Rock and Water, um, I've never, I was never baptized. Um, I, was, uh, I wasn't really expecting to be baptized, um, but... Uh, while I was there, um, God kind of uh, spoke to me, and um, he, uh, he really showed me that, you know, going through, uh, in life, uh, you go through a lot of uh, uh, high slopes and low slopes, and uh, even if uh, you uh, get broken down and um, you may get hurt, uh, you may get bruises and scratches, and uh, you may get some bloody knees uh, on the way there. Um, <laughs> But uh, he really showed me that um, with him, you can prevail through it all, and uh, you can keep on, just to keep on moving forward and, uh, and to not give up in him. And um, sometimes we may have to suffer for his sake, and um, he suffered for us, so we should always be able to suffer for him. That's kind of what I took from, from this. Thank you, Blake. Lizette? Where are you? Oh, there you are. <laughs> okay. Bear with me here. Kind of nervous. Um, if I'm being quite honest with you guys, I was really dreading this trip. Like, am I gonna enjoy this? I really just I just went because like people were bugging me about it and like you know, but Here's a verse that really stuck out to me. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus 
first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race which re and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Um, I found a huge part of who I am in my faith this week. I found my voice in Christ. I learned how to be bold and courageous for him, to step out of my comfort zone and allow him to use me and shine his light through me. I wouldn't say I'm a whole new person entirely, but I'm working on it and God's still slowly working in me. He's slowly molding me into the person he wants me to be and I'm giving him full control. Okay, <laughs> thank you all for sharing. Um, God did an amazing work in like in everyone's life this week, and um, I'm I'm grateful that you guys decided to stand up in front of this this great big group of people and share because it's not easy. As you can see, it's not easy for me either. <laughs> um, but it's what? Oh, I'm sorry. Rebecca was added in um, pen, and I didn't notice. I was looking at the... Rebecca, get up here. <laughs> Rebecca's going to share. Woo! Hold on. Just got to grab the first. Okay. So, um, when we... When we first get out to Rockamata, we go backpacking. And um, when we're backpacking, we have this thing in the morning called quiet time for about like 30 minutes where we just take um, the word and um, chapters of Philippians that Pastor Guy has printed out for us. And um, we were challenged to go out by ourselves and find our own spot and um, just really try and dig into the word and see what God's trying to speak to us. And so... Um, on like the second day, we were going through, I think it was chapter two, Philippians. And um, being a, a worship leader, um, sometimes, well, any, any uh, position where you're serving God, um, sometimes you can get kind of like lost in the serving aspect and having to do it versus um, getting up there and, um, you know, really, really worshiping and um, really trying to be with God. And so this, this verse kind of stuck out to me. Um, it's chapter 2, Philippians, verse 17. And it says, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Um, when you get up there, or when, I, when I'm worshiping, um, before this trip, I started to get kind of lost in um, the getting up part and uh, following through with uh, leading. And um, this week, God kind of just reminded me that, you know, what the heart of worship really is and, um, you know, the joy we're supposed to have. And um, so, yeah. Um, and there was this, uh, during one of the nights, um, God called me to, like, the, the campfire. And um, I've never read 
had to be honest, never read First John before. Um, but as I was praying and I was just kind of sitting by the fire, um, a random verse came into my head that I've never heard before. And um, it's First John verse 5 and 7. And it says, this is a message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we, lo- we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Um, so just remind me, uh, God has kind of spoke this into my heart that, um, you know, if you're in the light, and you're in fellowship, and you're in here, that you can't, you can't continue to be in the darkness, because nothing that is in the light can be dark. And um, so there's just an over overarching theme this week, just about joy. And um, it's just just really beautiful to see how God um, used that in everybody's lives this week. And um, he really did a lot. And um, it was really cool on the last night to hear all the testimonies and people speaking over what God has done because, um, yeah, it was just, it was beautiful and he did a lot this week. So thank you to everybody who um, helped out uh, sending us there and um, prayed for us while we were there. Um, couldn't have, you know, been there without you guys. So thank you very much. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> um, there is one more I get to um, share also. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share from chapter 4, starting in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, so while we were out there in the back country, uh, there were a lot of things that we could be anxious about. <laughs> There are so, there's some of us who are, are nervous about water. Um, there's some of us who are nervous about heights. Uh, there, there's a lot of things that you can be anxious about. And this verse really rem- reminds us, not just in, in situations like that, but in, in all of life, when, when we find something that overwhelms us, that, that makes us feel anxious, we don't have to carry that on our own. That first, um, that Monday, when we headed out into the backcountry. We had these big, heavy packs on our back. We had to carry everything. That was our job. We had to, as a group, we had to carry food and clothing and gear all out into the backcountry, and we had this heaviness. Um, But God doesn't call us to carry the heaviness of life on our own shoulders. He tells us to lay it down. He says we don't have to be anxious about anything because he is big and strong, and he can carry it for us. So, um, this verse reminds us to not be anxious about anything. A few verses ahead, it tells us to rejoice in everything. Everything. Not the, just the fun. Not just the wild and crazy fun times when we're jumping off of rocks and, and enjoying it. But, but in the hard stuff, in the nitty-gritty things in our lives where we can't handle it, we can hand it over to God. That's what he calls us to do. Um, another aspect of that is not to try to carry things on your own because of pride and because of feeling like you're big and strong enough to do it. Um, I'm one of those people who doesn't like to accept help. (laughs) 
I, I, I have this feeling like, well, I can handle it. I can do it. And um, the first, the first day, full day in the backcountry, we had this hike through this creek, and it was slippery. <laughs> There's slippery rocks all over out there. They're slippery because of the dust. They're slippery because of the water. And I took a pretty big spill. And I have to say, it wasn't my legs that were hurt, even though, yeah, they were all scratched up, and I, I got more more injuries than I normally do, but it was my pride. I was like, I can do this. I'm, I'm tough. And <laughs> it was kind of a little reminder to me that, no, no, you don't need to do this on your own. You don't need to be tough because God's there to carry things for you. So um, in everything, in everything, we need to be praying and um, asking God to help us and letting him lift our burdens off of our backs and not be anxious and not be prideful. Um, and it says also with thanksgiving. So we're to make those requests to God and be thankful and find those things that are good and, and just anchor ourselves to those. So that's, um, that's part of what God taught me this week. And um, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for um, everyone who went. I'm thankful for all the all that you guys shared. Um, it's easy to hold things inside <laughs> and not share, but when when you do share, then it's um, it's beautiful, and God can use that in other people's lives. So I, I I appreciate you all. You guys are a wonderful group of people, and I'm thankful I got to know you all more. Thank you. Thank you, every one of you, uh, not just those who went, but those who prayed. So all the older kids, you can head back towards Super Church with Rachel this week. Thank you, Corey, for uh, speaking last week as we were driving up uh, past Sacramento, heading towards Tahoe. That was, uh, I got my phone kind of lit up, and people were saying, Corey did good, and worship was great, and so thank you for all of you who kind of jumped in, Tom, and and everyone who helped uh, last last Sunday. So my word comes out of Philippians chapter 1. And uh, the word is the gospel. The word joy and rejoice is the theme of Philippians. Uh, Paul's in prison. And it's, we, we rejoice and we have joy not because of circumstances, because we have joy and we have relationship. We have a, a heart of rejoicing because our eyes are not focused on the circumstances, but focused on God. And that's a great lesson to learn because often we weigh our life on how things are going. And we can rejoice when a good thing happens. But when we kind of put life on a scale and it doesn't weigh very nice. It, it, it's heavy, or it's painful, or it's uncomfortable. Uh, Paul says, rejoice. And it's not re rejoice, but it's rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And often we understand where that uh, joy comes from. And chapter one, really, it was after I got back from Rock and Water, that I said, okay, so where does all this joy and all this rejoicing come from? Which is a really easy question. And Paul answers it in chapter 1 with the word, the gospel. 
And he has been transformed by the good news. The gospel means good news. He has been given life. He has left the old and he's become a new person. And the gospel gave him power and gave him a, a new life, even a new name. And so what we have to do is because of the good news and because of the gospel, then we can live in joy no matter what. And so let's look at a few verses. And so he loved the gospel message. The gospel used, the word is used six times. Uh, I was kind of reviewing uh, the, the kind of the, that chapter one, and I had five, and then I said, oh, there's one more. And so there are six times. So Paul will defend the gospel, the good news, at any cost. Kind of like he would persecute those who believed in the gospel at any cost. He was a zealot. He was extreme. Uh, he went down and got orders, and he could persecute the Christians. He could throw them in jail, and now he became one. And now, I don't know, I meet people who are like, I use the word kind of fired up for Jesus, or like you say they're kind of radical in their salvation. They're often people kind of like on the other side of the spectrum. They were really radical in their sin life. They were really broken. We're all broken. But Paul kind of went from that side to that side because of the gospel. So Paul was willing to go to prison for preaching the gospel, the good news. And so verse 7 makes that real clear. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I, I hold you in my heart for you are partakers with me in grace because of my imprisonment and in defense of the uh, confirmation of the gospel. So Paul's at Rome in prison, and he's willing to be in prison for the gospel. Later, Paul says, I'm willing to die for the gospel. That's pretty crazy. And most of us don't live in that type of environment. Uh, but verse 21 of chapter 1 uses the term for me, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul said, for me to live and to die is gain. Uh, Paul's greatest joy in chapter 1 was for the advancement of the gospel. So he's willing to go to prison. He's willing to die. He's whatever it takes. Now, that's going to show up different in our lives. But for, for Paul, it was like in prison, willing to die because that's how good the news is. And whatever it took to get that good news out, he was willing to pay the cost. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has served to advance the the gospel. Paul's life, Paul's passion was to defend the truth of the gospel. Paul was saying, I am living proof of how the gospel can change a life. Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So you'd think that chains for Christ would quiet people down. 
But as you begin to look at the persecuted world and the persecuted Christian, often when things get bad, they get louder. Uh, they don't run. They almost run to, not away. It says, because of my chains, most of my brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously, more fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. I began to see young people. I began to see that grow in my heart that I'm going to stand up for the gospel. I don't care if I'm laughed at. I don't care if I even understand everything in Bible. I'm still going to stand up for what I believe. And whatever it takes to advance the gospel, if that's losing a friend, if that's being laughed at, if that's walking away from a good friend, that I'm willing to pay that cost. Uh, Paul wanted the Philippian church to know that they were partners in the gospel. Uh, I got a call from Mikey Ritter. That's one of the young men that we've sent as a church. We're one of the sending churches. And as we stand here, he is in Albania. It's a Muslim country. And he said around, yeah, 11 o'clock, they're starting their ministry. And uh, on Friday night, they had one ministry time shut down, and then within an hour, there was a little city that said yes, so 800 people in a Muslim country came to hear them worship, and they do a kind of a gospel drama about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and 80 people received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Paul I guess I just got excited. Uh, Mikey said, and let make the church know, let the church know that they're partnering with me. I'm thinking, whoo, that's what we're preaching about. We're partnering with the gospel. So Chad, why don't you share a little bit, because he had a chance to, uh, you are a partner with the gospel. As a church, we, you're a partner to what God has done at Rock and Water and souls that were son, saved and the six young people that were baptized. Uh, Chad had a chance to go to South Africa, Cape Town, and we've sent McKinsey. We're probably the sole sender, not as people, but as a church. And so we're sending uh, for, the, for partnership in the gospel. So what's happening? You've had a chance to see her, right? So I got the awesome opportunity to uh, meet with Mackenzie twice while I was over there. And I got to meet the students that are under her. And I got to meet the staff that were around her. And the one thing that they all said was, why are you here? <laughs> and I was like, because we love Mackenzie. We're a mission-sending church, and, and, and we want to see her succeed. And when she succeeds, we succeed as, as a church. And Mackenzie is doing an incredible, incredible job over there. That The students there absolutely love her. Um, the base staff, I was talking with uh, Sharon, who's the, the registrar, said that Mackenzie is the light on the base. And she's brought so much joy to so many people. And uh, she just wanted to say how much she loves us. 
She loves our church. She loves the fact that, that she is a part of our church, that she feels loved by our church. And um, that was like the biggest thing that she told me when I came home was just to say how much she loves us. And so um, if you want to get a hold of her, uh, she has her Facebook, she has uh, a phone number, um, but yeah, she just really, really feels loved by us. So you look around and say, we're not a very big church. You know what? It doesn't matter how big we are. We're a church that loves God. We're a church that loves one another. And we're a church that loves a world that needs the gospel. Hi, Jeannie. Where's your boy at? So he's in New Zealand. And just weeks ago, we sent him as a church. And I know that family members sent him. But he was uh, saved here at CLC. He got called to CLC. He got empowered here. And as a church, we have sent him to uh, a discipleship training school in New Zealand. And what's the word? young people leaving. Maddie leaves. There's Maddie. She's not gone yet, but we're getting ready to send her. And Tatum is getting ready to leave to Australia. Maddie to South Africa, just the same place that Mackenzie is. Thus, we're, we're, we, we partner together with the gospel. Somehow, the gospel is so powerful, it can change Paul, Saul to Paul. And he can, the gospel is so powerful that it can, a sinner a wretched sinner like me and you can be a new person in Christ Jesus. The gospel doesn't need us. But somehow, Paul's saying, but we're partners. The work has been done on the cross, but now we're joining. We're responding to the good news. We're responding to the gospel. And that happens in your marriage. That happens in your workplace. That happens in your neighborhood. God wants you to be partners, and every one of us partner with the gospel in a, in a kind of a different way, but the same power, the same cross, the same Jesus, and it is able to, to, to get the good news out. So let's, let's pray right now for uh, the three that are, we mentioned that are currently, and we have other missionaries, but those are our most recent missionaries. So, Lord, we pray right now for Mike and ministry team in Albania. They're in the capital. Mikey said this morning, 6 a.m. when he called, we're like at Times Square. We're right in the middle of the capital of a Muslim country, and we get to share Jesus. So, Lord, as they share Jesus, as they do music and the drama of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that these uh, people that are around this town center, see, not just here, but can see kind of a drama that talks about the risen Lord. Minister in Jesus' name. We pray for Mackenzie as she is, she's not the light. She reflects the light. Lord, help her disciple 
in this discipleship training school. She's a leader. She's not a student, Lord. Uh, rise up within her. Thank you, Lord. Be with Sean as he is a student and his heart is hungry. Lord, we pray over the, these three young people now in the name of Jesus that we are partners with them. We are connected because we've, in a sense, we've drinking from the same cup, the cup of mercy and grace together. And because we have drinking of the same cup, we are partners with Christ. We thank you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the gospel is pretty powerful. And uh, Paul wants to make sure that because of the joy and the rejoicing we have, we understand it's not just found in ourselves, it's not just found in our buddy sitting next to us, but it's found in him and that we are partners. Because of the partnership in the gospel, verse 5, from the first day until now, what made them partners in the gospel? Paul and the church... God's people in Philippi, and I said, have drank from the same cup, the cup of God's grace and mercy. It's a big cup. It's a powerful cup. Verse 7 kind of speaks of that. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me in grace both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel. This was a verse that has always been uh, one of my favorite, and it's found in this first, because the power of the gospel is this, that he who has began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And I'm going to read it. That's how I quote it. For I am sure of this, and when Paul is sure, he is sure, because the Holy Spirit is speaking through him. He who has began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. One of the young people said, I'm in process. I'm in progress. He who has began a good work. He who has began understanding and being touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will be brought to completion. It is a process, right? Uh, that way we can, later on it says we contend, we kind of have to battle. The victory's already been won at the cross, but now we get to respond to the victory that God has given us. So we get the message. Paul loved the gospel. He defended the gospel. He was willing to go to prison for the gospel. He was willing to die for the gospel. He was willing to suffer for the gospel. Uh, Paul's greatest joy was to advance the gospel. That's all chapter one. Uh, Paul was calling others to join him, called them partners of the gospel through grace. Not only was Paul willing to die for the gospel, he was willing to live for the gospel. And I'll never forget this quote. It's not found in chapter 1, but here it is. To become a martyr for the gospel, you only have to die once. I'm not going to say that would be easy. But to live for the gospel, you've got to live, you've got to die every day. Okay, think about that. To be a martyr for the gospel, you have to die once. To live for the gospel, you have to die to yourself every day. And that's hard. <laughs> that's really hard. So Paul is getting all fired up about the gospel. Paul was willing to suffer for the gospel. 
And we're just going to read a few verses there, and then I'm going to give you a chance to personally respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ today. And that may be a heart of thanksgiving. That may be a heart of confession. That may be a heart of humility. But somehow we have to understand the good news of the gospel, the power of the gospel. Paul says, I eagerly accept and I hope that I will not in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether I live or whether I die. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am going to, uh, on, if I go on living the body, that will mean fruitful labor. Yet, what if I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ which is far better. But if necessary for me, I will remain in my body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you in your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow. Paul says, you know, it'd be easier to die but if it takes me to live, I'll live and suffer so the gospel can be advanced. And I've never kind of thought those thoughts. I mean, Paul is at a place where, you know, he's been stoned, he's been shipwrecked, he's been, he's been hungry. There's a crazy passage in Corinthians that talks about all the suffering that he has done. He said, bottom line, the gospel. The gospel talks about how much we need the Lord, that we're broken. And that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And there's a problem. But we also know the good news that he died for us, that he gave his heart to us. And that the cross of Jesus Christ is the very center of the gospel. And that we need to take that personal response to the gospel. And Paul has done that. The, the, the friends in Philippians had done that. And then he just kind of begins to kind of wrap this up in chapter 1. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you'll stand firm in one spirit, contending as one person. He's talking about unity. He's talking about doing this together, uh, fighting together for the one man for the faith of the gospel. There is a, uh, a, a song that is in your bulletin. It's a little white sheet. Why don't you pull that out? I know the worship team can come up. Not all of you went to Rock and Water. And that's, that's of course, not all of you went. But we all have the same gospel. We all have the same opportunity to respond to the gospel, to respond with joy. It's kind of a, a question I want to ask as you look at this song, is where do you see the gospel? The, where do you see the good news in this, in, in this song, in this worship song? Part of the gospel is what? Broken and scattered pieces. We're all broken and scattered. What do we do with these broken and scattered pieces?
we allow the hand of God to mend us and to make us whole. And the mercy and grace of God, we come empty, but we're not forsaken and we've been set free. Where else do you see the gospel in this song? Pre-chorus. What's a couple words that uh, jump out at you? Any words kind of jump out with the truth of the gospel? Okay. Anybody else? The chorus. Oh, I can see you now. I can see the love in your eyes. Who laid himself down in the message of the gospel? Jesus. Spotless, perfect, sinless. Raising up the broken to life. Lord, take my failure, my weakness, and put your treasure in my clay jar. So take this heart. I'll be your vessel. The gospel is not meant to be uh, kept. It's not meant to be just enjoyed. It's meant to be given away. To advance the gospel. To advance the hope. To advance the love of God. The truth of God. So let's stand together. And... Uh, if you want to kneel, if, if you want to uh, just turn around in your chair and make your pew a place of worship. But let's respond to the truth of the gospel, the hope of the gospel. Let God know that you are broken and that you're scattered and you need his amazing grace. Let's just not just sing this song. Let's proclaim this song, this place of worship.